1: Star Wars 7x7 episode 838. The new issue of Star Wars Insider Magazine contains a Rogue One backstory reveal that actually raises a rather important question that I don't believe has been answered yet about the transfer of ownership of the Death Star plans from the Separatists to the Empire. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and the Rogue One section inside the new Star Wars Insider magazine consists of rounding up the Rebels in print, as they put it in their subheader. It's a list of books that are coming out. It's not entirely complete. They don't mention the Rogue One novelization. That's not coming out until the beginning of January, so you have to wait a little bit longer for that. That one's done by Alexander Freed, the writer of Battlefront Twilight Company. So as a result, he seems ideally suited to carry on a novelization of Rogue One, which should be in much the same vein as the tone of Rogue One from what we know. The thing, the rundown here also doesn't mention the art of Rogue One, which is coming out the day the movie releases, and there's one young reader thing that's not mentioned here either, but... The thing I wanted to call your attention to is Catalyst, a Rogue One novel, which even just the way it's phrased almost makes it sound like there could be more Rogue One novels and that we're about to see some sort of spin-off series from there, but I digress. The description of Catalyst, a Rogue One novel, is slightly different from what we've heard about Catalyst in the past. And for me at least, it opened up my brain about something that happened in The prequel trilogy time period that was never really explained and is a bit of a head scratcher if you sit and think about it. So I'd love to know if it works out the same way for you. So do share your thoughts at the comments of the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com when I explain. Here is the description of the Catalyst novel in Star Wars Insider magazine. As Catalyst begins, the Clone Wars have locked the Republic and the Separatists into an escalating arms race. As a member of Chancellor Palpatine's top-secret Death Star project, Orson Krennic believes that an old friend, brilliant scientist Galen Erso, could be the key to completing the deadly superweapon and winning the war. After Krennic rescues Galen, his wife Lyra, and their young daughter Jin from Separatist kidnappers, Krennic does his best to persuade Galen to continue his scientific studies in the Chancellor's, and ultimately Emperor's, service. But as Galen's service begins to feel nothing so much like a gilded cage, Galen and Lyra must untangle Krennic's web of deception to save themselves and the galaxy itself. So here's the thing. That description says it's Chancellor Palpatine's top-secret Death Star project. But wait a second! At the end of Attack of the Clones, when everybody's beaten feet off of Geonosis, Count Dooku and Poggle the Lesser have a quick conversation, and Poggle says they mustn't find the plans to our super weapon, which is clearly the Death Star. Now, I know, of course, that Count Dooku is in league with Palpatine, a.k.a. Darth Sidious, so it's not like Palpatine didn't know what was going on, but... So far, as far as we know, the Separatists were the ones that were working on production of the Death Star, and that would be part of the Escalating Arms Race. So how is it that Palpatine has his own top-secret Death Star project? Was he basically having people on his end do duplicate work? It seems like that would have to be the case, because if the Separatists are trying to capture Galen and Lyra and Jin, you would think it would be to use them to work on the Separatist version of the Death Star. But then again, Dooku could have staged a kidnapping attempt on Palpatine's behalf, so that way Krennic could more easily recruit Galen or so into the program. But the point still remains the same. It's Chancellor Palpatine's top secret Death Star project, as described. So that means that he must be working on it in duplicate. The Separatists are doing some things, and he's getting information about what the Separatists are up to via Count Dooku, probably, and he's got his own scientists working on things as well. Otherwise, the only explanation you can give for the Death Star being in progress enough for the end of Revenge of the Sith, where you see Palpatine and Vader looking out on the superstructure being constructed in space is that when Anakin Skywalker went to Mustafar to eliminate all the Separatist leaders, that he somehow got a hold of the plans for the Death Star that they had been working on as part of this, or maybe the plans were stored in computers on Mustafar, and that information was still either salvageable on Anakin's person despite him being all burned up, or it was still in the facility on Mustafar and that part of Mustafar hadn't burned into the magma. I like the parallel production theory myself. So, all that said, we now have to look at the new Rogue One trailer that was just released and consider the fact that Galen Erso is still in Imperial custody at the time of the movie because that is the scene on Edu where he's coming out to meet Director Krennic and Director Krennic has the full rank insignia on his chest that he didn't have when he showed up on Galen Erso's home planet to pick him up. Based on that, the gilded cage that Galen Erso finds himself in in Catalyst, it doesn't sound like he really gets out of that, does he? And then we have the question, where's Lyra in all of this? There's a part of me that's wondering whether Lyra Erso is being held captive on Scarif away from Galen Erso who is being held and working on the Death Star stuff on Edu. That would be both as a punishment to Galen Erso and also as an incentive to keep working. If they just killed her outright, then he would have nothing to live for and would just therefore say, fine, kill me, I'm not going to work on your Death Star. But if she's alive and elsewhere somewhere, then he has motivation to stay working. Otherwise, something bad happens to her. So there's a scene in the -the behind-the-scenes reel for Rogue One from Star Wars Celebration Europe... And the scene shows Diego Luna's character, Cassie Nandor, with a woman on the beach at Scarif, and he's putting his hands up on both sides of her face. And I was trying to figure out who that woman is. It doesn't necessarily look like the woman who's supposed to be playing Lyra Urso. That would be Valene Kane, who is actually younger than Felicity Jones in real life. And so it's been talked about. Having her as the mother of Felicity Jones' character Jenna Urso in flashback, but whether she shows up later in the movie is hard to say. Obviously, they could cast a different actress if for some reason they wanted to, if they didn't want to just put makeup on her to make her look a little bit older. But there is a woman with whom Diego Luna's character Cassie Nandor is having a moment on the beach of Scarif, and this is inside the behind the scenes reel that was released at Star Wars Celebration Europe. and. Because of the fact that they show behind-the-scenes stuff, I thought for a moment that maybe it was just a woman friend on set with Diego Luna, and it was in between shots or something like that, but it could also be an actual film shot where he is putting his hands on both sides of the face of this woman. Maybe this is Lyra Urso. maybe it isn't, I'm not sure. What I do know for sure is that we have a clearer picture of Galen's relationship with Orson Krennic in The Empire. And an interesting question that will be solved hopefully very soon, the mystery of how the Death Star plans made the jump from being controlled by the Separatists to being controlled by Chancellor Palpatine and for work to actually be being done on the Death Star by the Republic before the Clone Wars ended. Meanwhile, speaking of endings, that ends this part of the podcast, but I do have a trivia question for you on the other side of the break, so stay tuned. (laughs) All right, I'm back with a trivia question for you. What do you think, Jared Can you handle it? I fear nothing. Yeah, he's always up for a good trivia question. Last time I asked you what Han Solo calls BB-8 in The Force Awakens, and that's ball, as in move, ball. Today's question, in what part of the body does Chewie get shot during the exchange of blaster fire on the Aravana? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go jumping out skyscraper windows, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a shapeshifter, it's Destiny Unleashed.